Hello everyone and welcome to the debug log number 30. That's right, it's time again for another rapid fire roundup episode. And if you haven't heard one of these before, basically we all pick a few different articles from the game industry that have happened over the past few weeks. And we just go through and we give our opinions, we talk about them. It's always fun, never boring, so we hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, this is the debug log episode 30. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. I believe I can fly. Raising my hand now. <clears throat> I believe I can touch the sky. All right. Think about it every night all day. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Spread my wings <sighs> and my God, fly. You got, me, you got me with that one. Okay, you can't That's resist. <laughs> We're going to go up on a karaoke stage and just start. Come on. He's like, no, 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 no. And you're like. I believe I can solve. <laughs> he starts. He's like. The, the fog machines kick in. I myself. <laughs> You're listening to The Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Obino Parra. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. And tonight is a special edition. It's one of our another one of our special episodes. It's the Rapid Fire Roundup. <clears throat> I think we need a Rapid Fire Roundup song, too. All these <laughs> segments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we need a couple of those jingles. <laughs> rapid, rapid, rapid Fire Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's it. I just did it. I no, just did it. No, no, you really does not the song. That Please. is it. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. All right. So if you don't know, if you're just a new listener, thank you for joining us. What our rapid fire roundups episodes are usually are, are where we take time out and we find some game development or game industry related stories from around the internet. And we discuss them because we don't usually get to do that on our regular episodes where we're talking out, talking about a bigger topic or, design related issues or having an interviews too. So this is where we get to cover a lot of stories that have happened since our last rapid fire episode and we discuss them and we give our opinions, which you can judge. So <laughs> here we go. Eduardo, what's your story for tonight? Yeah. My story for tonight is uh, an article that I read this week about um, Unity's new input system. So the name of the article is developing the new input system together with you. And it's a really interesting article because what they're trying to do is um, create this brand new tool, but they are doing it with the developers. So at the same time that they are developing, they created um, a prototype. So we can add it to our project and uh, start testing it, basically, and give them feedback. That's what they're trying to do to make sure that um, this new input system fits our needs um, as developers. So the problem that they're trying to solve with this input system is, uh, well, there are like four of them. The first one is make different input controls compatible. Um, in other words, they have, um, let's say, Controls from uh, a player that, um, so, you know, walking, jumping, and all that. Or like different controllers, like like Xbox controller, PS4, like those kind of things? Or No, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, player character controller or okay. um, car controller. Because vehicle I, controller, not car controller. 
Oh, just kidding. my bad. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Unity's making a car. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, in in Unity game development, many people download plugins and um, scripts from the asset store, but not all of them can work together. So what they're trying to do is like standardize that uh, those type of controls. So the the next goal with this input system is make it easier for developers to switch between different input devices like mouse, keyboard, gamepads. Um, also, they want to be able to easily integrate different control schemes. In other words, um, a control scheme is uh, how you display your the, the things that, that the player can do. Like you say, press space to jump because you're using a keyboard or maybe a, also a mouse. But if you're using a gamepad, you would say, okay, press A to jump. So they want to, me- they want to make those um, integrated and exchangeable if, if, the, if the developer wants to, to change that whenever he wants. So I wonder if those schemes actually work too. They're going to make like <clears throat> hot swaps for, you know, like you play FPSs, like first person shooters are like, this is Southpaw controls or classic Halo control, you know, mm-hmm. where they can just quickly... I mean, I know you can do that programmatically, I guess, but I wonder if those schemes aren't just between control, like keyboard to gamepad. They're also, you can have five gamepad schemes. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, because it seems like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, it sounds like this is this is like one of those essential pieces of, you know, making games that kind of, yeah. you know, like Unity has for a long time has been, you know, the whole their whole premise is like democratizing game development and making it pre- basically making it really easy for a developer uh, you know, a new new developer, or you know, maybe a young developer getting into games. So I think th- their approach that they're taking now is like trying to make it so not only is it easy to get into game development, but it's also like inputs were, for a long time were just basically everyone was rewriting input. There, I mean, like if you're making a, a pretty complex game, you're basically going to have to write your own sort of input scheme to work with unity or to better work with whatever your game you're, you're making. So, you know, them trying to like genericizing and, and making this input scheme, like more, I guess more broad in the sense or more flexible or more complex in the sense that you can use it to different, in different aspects. That's, I feel like that's almost going to be like, it's a huge step for unity and for the input system that they've built. Um, and I feel like that's something, what, you know, something else that like almost every game has that I, I kind of see in the future, they may like try to introduce, is like game states, you know, like states to, you know, like every game has like game states, like there's a login state maybe, or maybe there's a, you know, user connected state, disconnected state. Those are like those kind of things that it seems like they could actually like integrate that into Unity as a system, as a game engine. Um, and like this step with the input system seems like like the perfect first step. Like this is something that all developers need, all games need, uh, is that flexibility with input schemes. So this to me is like the, uh, one of the coolest articles I think we have today. So yeah, so uh, keep going with the with the list of goals. Um, the last one that they want to tackle is different states of input. Like for example, in the GTA. You have your character and he's walking on the street, but um, he um, steals a vehicle and then your controls are different. So they want to be able to to tackle that with this input system. 
Um, so the way they are you are doing this and they're implementing it is they introduce a new concept called action maps where you say you define okay I'm going to jump or move to the left move, move to the right um, in a in a keyboard with this set of keys but if I'm if I'm using a, a keypad I'm going to use these other buttons a X whatever um, so in addition to action maps, they also have a player input, which is a new component that is going to use action maps. But not only one action map is allowed, you can actually have uh, more than one. And the way they're going to handle that is in the player input, they're going to have an action map stack, which defines the different levels and of priorities in your action maps. So let's say the top level is Romanian, then your vehicle action map, and then your character action map. So if you press a letter that does some do something in the in the menu, you can block the call for the different um, action maps. So you don't your character doesn't move and you're uh, moving in the in the menu. So you're going to do just one thing. Um, so that's it. That's the the article that I brought you this time. Uh, I hope you like it. We're going to put the the link in the description of the episode. So give it a try to to this new input, and don't forget to give feedback to the Unity guys. They're going to appreciate it. Cool. So this is already like in like an alpha stage where you can like download it and try it and integrate it into your project already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the input system is going to have two different components, a C++ component, which is going to be the core, and another uh, layer that is going to be in C Sharp. They develop a, proto- a prototype for the C Sharp portion that you can download in your project and test it. Yeah, and it looks like the uh, in their roadmap, the input system's not even in there. It's not even, it's in the backlog, basically. So it's not in the 5.3.x uh, roadmap is not in the beta 5.4. It's not in the alpha, which is they only put three iterations on there. So yeah. it's in the development, in progress, timelines long or uncertain. So hopefully cool. it'll come. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, I'm curious, like, is in the, is there like um, their work with other developers outside of Unity? Is that like an open source thing or is it just like based off, you know, the forums and feedback and is that the way they are communicating with other developers? Yeah. Based on the forums. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Gets to those forums. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Cool. All right. Zach, what you got? Um, so I've been, uh, uh, I've been playing a lot of, uh, uh, division and, and destiny recently. And, uh, Imagine that. Tell, tell the tell the audience how many hours of destiny you have. Oh, it, I can. I, I, it may or may not be over a thousand. It is over a thousand. We don't know the number <laughs> over a thousand is. That's the may or may not. Thank, thanks for throwing me under the bus. That's, that is really You're dedicated. Crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, I've been playing a lot of that, and and because I play so much of it, I'm I'm in the like in game material for both of the games, um, and. I've actually ran across a video kind of explaining the, the differences, uh, different approaches, uh, both division and destiny have taken, um, in their, in their, I guess, 
the the way they approach and game uh, gameplay, um, and sort of uh, I mean it doesn't really mention it too too much in the video, but one of the things that uh, Andrew and I were talking about the other day is how uh, the division being a uh, um, I guess a cover based shooter and Destiny, which is just I guess a, a first person shooter. Um, how they, they kind of limited themselves via the design. So in the video, they talk a lot about, uh, I guess the end game material and division being like bullet sponges and like gear checks and missions. So like, if you don't have good enough gear, you can't really do the mission or the missions a lot harder. And then all the characters just get a lot more HP or health. Um, and in destiny, they tend to handle it differently. They handle it with like, I guess, uh, slightly more difficult, um, uh, I guess, enemies and also they handle it with uh, a lot more enemies um, and also they have a lot more I guess dynamic mechanics that the players have to go through um, so th- the thing that I found really interesting in the division is that they use uh, I guess their their enemies are always almost always human well, I guess they are all human because they don't really use uh, animals I, they have animals in the in the environment but you don't really f- fight them you don't have aliens right yeah exactly so you don't have aliens you're very limited in i guess the the types of enemies you can face uh whereas in destiny they have this uh i mean because it's fantasy you have like a a a plethora of of areas you can go into you can have okay uh zombies which destiny's version of zombies is i guess the taken so it's just basically people who are enemies who are taken and then come back as like i guess the undead um but in destiny, they have this much, much broader area they can go into and, and pull from. Whereas as division is very limited. So you, you're only going to be facing humans who have, you know, who are immune to this virus, uh, whether that's going to change later on, I don't know, but at the moment it's, it's very, it's very limited. It just, everybody's turning into just a big bullet sponge and it's yeah. just, okay. Uh, he, he mentions in the video, this is a video by uh, force gaming. Um, but he mentions it's just, all, all the later missions are just throw bullets at them until they're dead. So it, it's, it's not even like trying to kite the players anymore. It's just everybody's uncovered. Just shoot them, shoot them, shoot them until they die. Yeah. yeah that's I, why this is like uh, weird. It's, this is such a cool opportunity for a game design lesson. Cause there's really no right or wrong. It's, it's kind of subjective. You can analyze them in different ways, but here are two huge companies, Bungie soft backed by Activision. And then you have Ubisoft, making the same game and Ubisoft having the kind of <laughs> hindsight to see what destiny did and they, what they thought destiny did wrong. And, and, and they all made choices on lore. So, you know, they have the humans versus the crazy aliens. So it's so, but they're going for the same thing. They're trying to make the pseudo MMO now, which kind of pisses people off from the beginning because it's not really an MMO, you know, it's just a game and then it doesn't have the same amount of content, but it's really interesting to analyze like Zach's doing and like these videos do as a design lesson, the different choices they're making and why and whether one works or not, or whether they both don't work or whether they both do work in their own ways. So I thought that was fascinating about this video. Yeah. I think the vision gets around, not maybe around, but it tries to curtail that limitation with just a single, you know, enemy type by using, because I mean, their focus really is on gear. I think, well, as is destiny, but you know, they really do focus on gear and the weapons they use. So I think they, they add that, that spice to the enemies as well by giving them different, you know, some enemies may have those little sticky grenades or, you know, the go out and find you the whole, you know, seeking uh, grenades as well. And like can use turrets and stuff. So they, they, I think they spice up, 
you know, enemies that you face with the weapons that the enemy's using. Um, you know, they're not all, they're all not just using like flamethrowers. They're, they're, they try to spice up in a different way, but no, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. However, the, the issue is the, I guess in, in destiny, there's different ways to kill uh creature. So you, there's different mechanics that you have to stand on. Two people have to stand on this platform and there's different phases of attack in, in uh, Tom Clancy's a division. Everything is just, okay, shoot them until they're dead. There's no, uh, I guess, dynamic combat. I mean, you might be able to pull off a little bit of kiting and like well, go, go around somebody and shoot them in, the, in a weak spot, but it's it's almost all shoot them until they're dead. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I see that too. But I think yeah, they also try to leverage you know the team mechanics of mm. in division, and that's like uh, you know someone's gonna flank them and then hit their you know whatever that little flamethrower basket on the back of their back or the back is yeah i yeah. think i think yeah and you know you, you also have your healers and your, your turret guy your engineers etc and i think they try to use that to the best of their ability the problem yeah i, I do see what you're saying but i think th- even that has limitations because it really because like you said they are just like bullet sponges um so like you can utilize this perfect strategy where someone hits them from the back and they get their attention and then someone in the front you know, on their front hits some and, you know, spins their attention again, but then it's really just right. shooting and shooting until they're dead. Um, I, I think actually maybe the bigger issue with, with the division that uh, I guess um, people came from playing destiny, which is, I guess, I mean, there's very, very set player roles and maybe not set player roles, but the, you can only go so many like different classes. ways. They yeah. So many different ways with classes. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the division has all these sub talents and, and, and like it, it's actually set up more like a like the MMO kind of role taking yeah. uh, like so you have your your DPS you have your tank you have you know things like that whereas as Destiny is not so they brought all these people over but they didn't properly I guess train you in game to handle that so that there's nothing in game explaining okay if you get you know your firepower up to twenty four hundred you're gonna get twenty four hundred percent more damage. There's nothing really explaining that. You got to go to the YouTube. You exactly, listen to our yeah. game game tutorial episode. Tutorial episode. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's the new manual. It's YouTube's. Exactly. So it's it's just there's certain things that it's it's lacking. And I kind of I kind of and it's not just because they didn't know what they're doing. They obviously know exactly what they're doing, but they didn't do a very good job of delivering that content to the player. It's so funny too thinking about the design portions of this as a game developer. You're like. I just think, the, I mean, the big story of this, and I even saw a Polygon article. We been, we should post that in there too about how like Destiny's great, but I have pretty kick-ass armor in Destiny. I mean, the Division's great, but I have pretty kick-ass armor in Destiny. You know, like the idea to go real versus fantasy and what that means for the story or lack of story. Because they both, that's the thing. Is like Destiny was the big complaint when it came out. It's like it had no story because I think you had expectations high. You're like Bungie. Like they're going to do this weird yeah. fantasy sci-fi world. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then division has way more of a story. I could care less about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's like, yeah, who cares? It's just like Call of Duty. So I'm just shooting stuff, but I want a story in destiny. So that's like where it's like, I guess it's it, it, an advantage for that. But in the opposite end, you don't get that ludo narrative dissonance, you know, where like the game goes against what a narrative should be. So in destiny, you're shooting these enemies and if one takes longer to get down, you're like, yeah, it's some monster or something. So you have a narrative reason why that makes sense and it matches with the gameplay. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem people have in D- Division, it's like 
that guy looks just like other people, but I have to put like 8,000 more bullets into him. He's just a person. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's so you don't get those fun narrative reasons why that matters. Yeah, I, but I think, it's 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 a neat end of the spectrum. They're two yeah, ends of the I, spectrum. I agree. I think the bosses in Division don't play up as well as that in the uh, Destiny. But I I think the, the overall arcing story in Division I feel like is much better. I, I'm more. Well, interested that's what I think in, is that. Well, that's why I think it's interesting because it's better. But I care less that it's there. Like if they gave me no story, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's Division. As opposed to Destiny, where I wanted it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. It's like. I, I think the possibilities of that are better. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with the division story is better, but I don't care as much. I mean, I don't care if it's there or not because I don't pay attention sometimes. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And uh, just to go back to the the video real quick, the, the last thing he comments on is in in the division. The only way really to get end game level gear is by crafting, and yeah, sweet gear. It, well, yeah, but the problem is that. And it's it's got this like Diablo esque kind of uh, a feel to all the loot. So everything has a, a dice roll to it. So you you drop a piece of gear. You have a, a dice roll for the damage. You have a dice roll for the perks. You have a dice roll for the amount of uh, I guess severity on those perks. Um, so whether you get you know forty six percent accuracy or thirty six percent accuracy, something like that. Um, so and it doesn't. It's everything. So whether you're crafting the item yourself or you, you kill an enemy, a named enemy and it drops a high end level item. Everything is, is rolled random. So technically you have a better chance of going in and crafting this item 30 times than you are by fighting an enemy, a named enemy and it dropping a high end piece of loot. So really you just turn the entire game into just grind. So you just have to go keep collecting materials because well, the I likelihood that you're going to do a PVE and get what you want is very low. Well, that's the MMO for you. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it is, but where as as in in Destiny, where not everything is completely random. Like you may get a, a random drop on the 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 damage. You still get that that named item with with that that specific perk that you want. Whereas this, it could literally be anything, and whether it's a god roll or a crap roll. Which um, I'd say right now, based on my experience, is ninety nine percent time a crap roll. Um, it, I mean, after crafting thirty six specific, uh, one specific high end item thirty six times, you kind of lose interest. You know what I mean? Word, word. So there you go. <laughs> Check out that video. Inner exact world. Yes. <laughs> Not too deeply. Oh, <laughs> you'll lose yourself. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Into a thousand don't, hours of destiny. Don't stare into his smoldering eyes. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Let's keep it moving. All don't right. pretend like you haven't. <laughs> All right. All right. Good crazy. All right. <laughs> All right. So now we have uh, some uh, a, a mix up and a roundup of some other stories. Those are a bit longer discussions, but we have like five or six that are quick little things that I found. The first was about um, Xbox guys that work for Xbox, Xbox vets. They started a, (laughs) which is a new term, I guess, mixed reality studio, which is an interesting term. And that's, I guess that starts getting to the augmented guys. Apparently some guys that worked in Xbox and some worked for Microsoft. They've been working with the HoloLens and actually getting deals, you know, with all these other, they've gotten, they've worked on partnerships with NASA and Autodesk and Trimble and all these other people. They left to start their own company. Um, and this one guy, what's his name? Ha- Howard, like the one of the lead designers. He was the lead designer on Shadowrun, Crimson Sky, Zach, oh, and Halo. 
Yes, John Howard. He was one of the lead designers in the first Halo. They've started a studio that's all about mixing reality and, you know, so it's all, I mean, they worked, it's kind of, doesn't that sound like non-compete would come into that? If you worked in the HoloLens team and you're like, we're going to start our own company that's about augmented reality. You're like, wait a second. Hold on. (laughs) You just made connections and you've seen all our technology. Now you're going to start your own company. So I think just in the light of, you know, this being the, 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 been the past few weeks of VR and that's been crazy. And now they've come out and now the, it's out, you know, now we're going to start seeing games and it's not, I think the next big thing is this augmented stuff. And so now you're starting to see that you're seeing these other companies ramp up. So wait till Facebook buys another one of these, maybe Facebook will buy these guys <laughs> at some mm-hmm. point. That's new. As Zach says, that's the real wave, right? Augmented mm-hmm. reality. I think so. <laughs> Another fun story that I found was, did you see, did you guys see this Mike Tyson punch out story? Oh yeah. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, this, I don't know if this, I don't know if they've got any feedback from the developers or not, but apparently, you know, there's a crazy, you know, not just a speed run scene, but these kind of game mod scenes, the speed run scene is crazy. Have you guys seen those guys that speed run games before? Yeah. Or, Or like watch comment as they comment while they're doing it. And like, yeah, this is a glitch. If you kind of jump up in this screen and flip out and one frame of that, it'll pop you into the third level. You're like, what? <laughs> like, how did you discover that? So, well, the whole community discovered it. It's crazy. These guys, these people dedicate their lives to these old games. And apparently they found this one secret in Punch-Out 29 years later that, you know, in the Punch-Out, you know that the crowd is like, if you play Punch-Out when you're a kid, the crowd is just these weird amorphous kind of faces. But apparently there's a certain tell that actually is true that there's this one person that actually, when he like actually makes a signal or comes up and cheers, you can one punch all the people. I don't know if it's a bug. That's crazy. (laughs) Or or if it's a thing, but they found this deaf and this guy with this mustache and it feels kind of like a hipster pops up and you can (laughs) one punch the bosses and it works. All the bosses or? It's these first two, like Honda. Yeah. So it's like the second two bosses. Oh, okay. But it's still pretty weird. <laughs> like, like I don't know. Is so wait, what does he look like again? He looks like a hipster, like okay. a big old lumberjack hipster kind of guy. <laughs> Are you going to play it, Zach, or something? <laughs> again, I am now. <laughs> yeah, if you look at that article, they actually make a little graphic where they circle him, this bearded guy in front. It's just weird, though. It's like it's a weird kind of tweak, but it's also, I wonder if that was like a developer thing back then because they couldn't, you know, they didn't have enough memory to put in all these like debug consoles and stuff, you know. They're looking for cheats. You know, we're always looking for ways to skip through stuff really fast. So yeah. who knows? Check it out. It's worth watching. It's, it's a neat little video. Um, Wait, let me, before you go to your next, let, let, you let, me, let me, yeah, let me do my article before you go through the rest of your eight articles. <laughs> uh, so mine is about, uh, I know everyone, not maybe not everyone, but uh, the Microsoft build developers build conference was well, maybe a month ago, a month or so ago. But anyway, uh, one thing they really ago. two weeks ago. <laughs> time, <laughs> yeah, I think so, but that's time what... flies, I guess. Uh, but anyway, they talked about their bot framework uh, a lot, and and I think one of the main things they highlighted was just like how they were using you know the pizza AI bot, and they released the order just, pizza. Yeah, we ordered pizza <laughs> from Domino's. Pizza and pour and drive all technology. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Anyway, but true. it's true. I'm not yeah. even. <laughs> so anyway, it... turn off, turn off your the audio. <laughs> this is an explicit see. podcast, Eduardo. Yeah, it's <laughs> your virgin it's ears. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. And Continue, anyway, please. anyway, they they released like this whole bot framework, uh, which works for you know C sharp and Node.js, I think. Um, but 
I think you, you really have to go back and watch their keynote because the way they like they explained it and showed a lot of like the integrations it had and the web application, the web framework, or yeah, just the web app they had for building your bots. Like, um, what's it called? Um, basically, like not the neural network, but um, it was the back end for like training it, basically. Right? Yeah, yeah, the schemas yeah. and stuff, <laughs> like to train your intelligent bots and stuff. So that I mean, the way they did it is like drag and drop. It was really easy, really simple to train your bot, and these bots were. To me, actually, when I was watching it, it seemed like it was more catered to, um, you know, like, you know, like telephone operators. And I, I was like wondering how I could leverage it to maybe do, you know, build it in a game. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of ways you can. And especially, I mean, even like I think at VBI or at the company that Zach and <laughs> work too at. Late there, Chief. Too late. Just spit <laughs> that out. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, on that note, uh, we, I am currently trying to use a, a different AI engine. Uh, but this one looks, I think, a lot, uh, a lot more uh, sensible for us. In well, a way yeah, because we we worked with that, you know, Zach. We worked with that stuff for the past year. And Abina, you did, and Eduardo, you both had experience with it. And we've what's what's so funny about this? It's more than just seeing it. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We have like had we've worked with different applications to do what this one does in one. And you're like, yeah, we need one to do it, but we also need one to train it with a wizard. Exactly. We need one to do this. Yeah, and you look at this like, oh, it just does everything yeah and building building the actual intelligent behind the box and the schemas that drives the bot was actually the toughest part it's like getting to be sensible was like one of the toughest parts and the fact that they created this framework that is and all this is open source as well so that's what's amazing too so yeah i mean it's super cool in the way they they i guess they train the bot so you basically it 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 receives a line and you can tell it uh, which uh I guess which words are the line of the keywords you're looking for, mm-hmm. and if if it doesn't respond correctly, you can tell it no respond this way. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, like it basically, you train it as you use it. <coughs> Whereas true. as some of the other ones that I've seen, it's basically you have to put in all the work in the back end. Then you try it, and you say, okay, well that didn't work. Let me go back and edit the back end. And so true. it's not like it, it's not development while you're work while you're talking to it. It's it's you know very cyclical. Yeah, and that is pretty cool. Yeah. With that tool and a couple of virtual reality environments, oh, <laughs> there's a fancy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. So when I watched that and then saw that uh, on the build conference, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool!" And I hope I could share that. So yeah, definitely check it share out. that with me when I started the project. I'm well, I mean, you guys were like eight months in by the time we had they had this conference. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Definitely check this out. This is a really cool framework and and bot. So and it works with C sharp. So you guys should all jump on that. Man, poor Raphael worked on a freaking uh, data collection software for like six months, which is basically them just using the tool we made. What's so funny though is that the thing he invented from scratch. Looks a lot like the Microsoft thing, like where it has suggestions and then you pick the yep. thing and then you like oh, train yeah, it yeah. to say that. I was like, this is what you build, but it's better. It's like, and like, <laughs> it's not, no, I mean, no, but take like, that? I say, I don't mean that. I'm sorry. That came out bad. Like it's a credit to him because they have like a team of 50 people on this. You know yeah. what I mean? And like yeah. one person made something that they used. He kind of figured out the same methodology. I was like, that's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, we have a friend that is a genius. Yeah. There you go, mm-hmm. Raphael. Well, you got, you got a couple. I'm just saying. Okay. Zach. Yeah. Uh, Raphael, I'm me. Oh, you're so silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan. I'm Ryan. Yeah, oh, don't forget Ryan. Ryan. Oh. Ryan's in the air oh, right now. Ryan. Another one, but I don't remember the name. Mm. 
And I'm pretty Diana. sure it doesn't start with Z. Oh, snap. <laughs> I squash you in my intellect, son. Sag is awesome. All right. I'll go on. I have a couple more. Um, one is in a game that we saw. It's made in Unreal, but it's a, it's called Ark Survival Evolved. I think this came out like six months ago, and it blew up steam. It's kind of like Rust, you know, that uh, Zach and I have talked about before. There's a big trend now. These all these survival games. And this one was crazy. The, the distinction this one had is that it was survival, and it looked really great, but it had dinosaurs on it. And apparently, if you play it long enough, you can train the dinosaurs and you can ride them you know the the promo videos of the game show them riding pterodactyls and stuff <laughs> like anyways the story about this this week is there's a lawsuit because one of the uh alleged game designers of this at the time his name is jeremy steiglitz steiglitz <laughs> he worked for a company called Wildcard, and he was supposedly under a non-compete at that time and this i brought this up to bring up a, an issue that this could face people that work at companies and also want to moonlight and work on their own games he worked for the company Wildcard, and apparently his contract said that he's not supposed to work in other games. And he, who knows what happened because it was settled. So we don't actually know if he's guilty or not or what the de- details are. But supposedly the first, they sued him for $600 million because he was working on this Jeez. game for these people. And that game made a lot of money. I don't know if it made that much money. <laughs> but so this is just a big warning to, this is just brought the idea because this isn't a full topic kind of discussion, but if you work for companies like we all do that have games and stuff and everybody signs non-competes, make sure, and I, you know, different companies have different policies where they're, it's a full on in the non-compete as long as you're not competing with them and they do different types of games, or maybe you need to sign off and get their sign off that you're working on certain projects. Make sure you do that. Mm-hmm. So you don't get sued for $600 million. Exactly. And pocket change That's guys. A Come ton on. Of money. Damn. <laughs> They settle, but I'm sure it's like millions that they settle for. If 600 million is what they're asking for, you know? Yeah. Oh, they said they had settled for 40. Maybe. This is all alleged now. So that's a lot of money for just one guy. And you look, ugh, how much design help does that guy, one guy, give for $40 million? Seriously. All right. I'm going to do a couple happy ones to the end off. One's <laughs> a quick one. Um, <laughs> in the world of startups, they have things like Y Combinator and other Dallas, uh, Denver Stars, whatever, which are startup incubators where you know you go to them and pitch your idea and they give you a certain amount of money right to go live there wherever this place is for three or four months and you you every day you work and you work with mentors and work with people that are leaders in the field and all this stuff and it's great experience at the end you pitch your game or pitch or you pitch your startup and then you try to get investors nyu which has a nice game center um they've had a thing for students but now they've opened up an incubator for everybody so you can actually apply to this now. So if anybody's interested in this and want to go, wants to go live in New York from June sixth to September second, <laughs> the uh, they say the online ex, uh, admissions are until April twenty fourth, which is pretty close. <laughs> That's wow, that is pretty so close just, for this yeah, thing just Saturday. being posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you have a game, I mean, it's like so. I guess the idea is you pitch it and you do the stuff and you go and you, so it could be a cool experience. Just want to do that's a quick one. The last one, this is the feel-good one of the night, that I, we got to do this, guys, next year. One, we got to go to GDC for the first time, right? I think we yes, should go we to GDC once we get thousands of dollars. We're going to go, I think. <laughs> the way we're going to go <laughs> is this way. We're going to go to Chicago and ride an Amtrak train and have a game jam on the way to San Francisco. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. So this year... Uh, the organizer, uh, her name is Adriel Wallach. These are, I can't un- pronounce all these names. I'm sorry. I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> she had this idea to, on an Amtrak train, 
to do a game jam from Chicago to San Francisco leading up to the GDC. I so think like get a bunch of this is the third year that she's done it, I think though. Is what it kind of, I think it's the third year. Have an Amtrak train. Oh yeah, it's the third okay, yeah, yeah, it's the third year. But this is the first year it kind of took off and they've written about it and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. they're gonna so and then they said they sold 160 tickets in 35 seconds or something online. Mm. And then yeah. they had 30, 40 people show up and they could get people at the door. So they had two hundred developers set off on this trip. And if you look at the pictures in this article, it looks magnificent. They're all in these, this train deck and this sky deck, and it's just like scenery flying by, and they all have laptops. They're all staring at the laptops. That's kind of the ironic thing of this. That yeah, would be yeah. just be a nice train ride, you know, but everybody's looking at it. And so like Unreal and other people helped sponsor it, and they had people from Media Molecule, and it just looks like it's fun. You know what I mean? Like it looks like next year, especially with this press, and it seems like it's really taken off this year that – it's going to be really, it's going to be the whole train, the Amtrak train next year. But I think that's a fun way. That's a yeah. fun networking way to go into GDC, which is the mega of all that. So yeah. pretty fun. Check it out. Yeah, it's fun. This is not the first um, article that I read about um, this story. Um, uh, there's another one about the same author that he's sitting um, with another, well, with a developer. And uh, it seems like it was a really good indie recognized in the game developer and the guy asked the the writer oh um so you're a developer and he was like oh no the guy skips um programming and in 30 <laughs> minutes he asked oh so you're a designer no i'm not a designer and the, <laughs> the guy says do you have any talent that's rude well um i'm a writer <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like oh my god yeah they said that they mix i mean because it's like 200 developers mixed with other passengers on that train which is you know, like what where am i you know mm-hmm. it's something if you're at a hotel and there's a convention but if you're stuck on a train with all these people you're like wait a second <laughs> so, but again that's a great way you know to force typically introverted developers to network and exactly. make friends oh because one thing the cool thing they said is that the internet was intermittent or not on at all <laughs> So you can't go to Stack Overflow. You can't look up API. So you're forced to go, oh, hey, man. wow. That's He's like, true. yeah, I mean, they, they didn't plan that. That's just the trains suck. Train travel mm-hmm. sucks for internet, I guess. <laughs> and they're like, hey, man, how do you, you know, instantiate the blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, thanks, man. So it forced everybody to work together, which is awesome. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So check it out. I'm that's tempting. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I really, that's, uh, we should. It seems that. like a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, it's a fun way to get there. So. Anyways, I think that's it. That was a good rapid fire roundup. We brought you even more stories. Double the stories from last time. Double the stories. All right. In the meantime, if you want to check out this fun, exciting adventure every day, you can go to our private Facebook group called The Debug Lounge, which features one of our own debug debuggers, Ryan Sullivan, got a shout out today. He had a story in Gama Sutra about the VR work he's been doing yes. <laughs> with the, H- the HTC Vive. Check that out. I found a story and I was like, is this you? He's like, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> that's me with the I'll, I'll, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'll let you read the headline of that article to that's see true. what he was talking about. I don't want to spoil it. Check that out. But to do that, you can join our Facebook group. You can go to our website, the You can sign up for our newsletter, the loop. You can sign up there and you're going to get a newsletter every month of all the cool stuff we're doing. And also Eduardo would, invite you to the group or you can just search for it on Facebook and get to it that way as well. 
You can also send questions, comments, and criticisms to the debug log at gmail.com. Um, oh, I thought you were going to use my email again. Well, that's criticisms. Oh, hate yeah. mail. <laughs> hate mail goes to Zach at the debug log.com, as you know. Uh, also, I'll let on, you know next time I check it. Yeah. Personally, on Twitter, I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C U R R I E. And I'm at O Beans. That's O with the H, Beans with the Z. And I'm Eduardo CF1989. Ryan's not here to make fun of Zach. It's okay. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> also, stay tuned. We got some cool stuff. A la video shows we mentioned on the lounge before coming to you soon. We're really excited about that. Yeah. So stick with us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gearing it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm t- it's 11 o'clock. Why are you All so right. old? <sighs> Until next time, my name's Andrew. I'm Obina. I'm Zach. And I'm Eduardo. We'll see you later. See you guys. Eduardo, you're mean. What? What do you say? <laughs> what? I'm a genius too. <laughs> you're awesome, side. Everybody knows you're a genius. We don't have to say it. It's like unsaid. Yeah, you know, so it's like a. It's like a I'm sensitive guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you gotta say. I like this episode. It was good. Yeah, it was good.